Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And um, if you've been tracking with us for any length of time, you know we've we've been in a series we've just called BC, A Journey Through the Old Testament. And, and today is going to be the final installment of that sermon series. And then next week, we're going to begin our fall sermon series uh, 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 through the book of 1 Corinthians. And we've just called it a beautiful mess. And if you've ever read about the church in Corinth, you'll understand that title, all right? But for today, we're going to close out our BC series, and we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. And before we uh, get into our text, though, uh, I need you to take a trip back in time with me some 20 years, all right? So 20 years ago, it was the year 2002. I was 33 years old at that time. My wife Susan was 34 because she's considerably older than me. Uh, she was robbing the cradle. But anyways, I get this gas uh, was $1.61 a gallon. Oh, praise God. I wish we had those days back again, right? Uh, the number one song in, in 2002 uh, was the song, How You Remind Me by the group Nickelback. Get this, the number one box office smash in 2002, it was the movie Spider-Man, okay? And then uh, get this, on network TV, um, it, there was a show that premiered um, that I was convinced was going to be an instant flop, all right? And the name of that show was American Idol. <laughs> uh, swing and a miss there, Pastor, right? Because I believe that that stupid show is still being showed today. How many agree with me that American Idol needs to die and go home and be with the Lord, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so anyways, that, that was, uh, 2002, but, but I'll let you in on something else is 2002 was the year my, uh, I retired from the National Hockey League and my family and I, we moved down from Atlanta, Georgia to Austin, Texas, uh, where I was going to enter into the full-time athletic ministry. And so as I entered into this new ministry, um, I, you know, I got to meet all these new people that, that were in the ministry. And I, I met young, uh, one young man. Uh, he had recently um, uh, graduated from college. He was a collegiate football player, really sharp-looking guy, man. And he was one of these guys that when you entered into a room, he just lit it up, right? Charismatic, funny, but he was anointed and powerful. And he was going into full-time ministry uh, to reach college students. And we just knew he was going to hit it out of the park. And so uh, I, I let you know about this young man because you can imagine my surprise when several years later, uh, I heard that he had taken his own life. And so, uh, I, listen, I, I learned several things that day when I heard uh, about this man taking his own, this young man taking his own life. Uh, number one, I, I learned this, that suicide is not the unforgivable sin, that, that, that Jesus Christ, um, he, he saw that sin some 2,000 years ago and he paid for that on the cross. And, just just to note that like you and I aren't going to be judged for our last act on this earth, but rather we're going to be judged by our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I learned that this year. And But here's what I also learned is that, man, there are a lot of people that are silently suffering 
um, with, with depression and melancholy and these different things, and they're doing it alone. And get this, they're, they're hidden in plain sight. And I just want to let people know this morning, man, it doesn't have to be that way. If that's you this morning, you don't have to suffer alone. And so, uh, um, listen, I, I know when we talk about mental health, depression, melancholy, there's, there's this, uh, spectrum really from just like, uh, just not, not feeling very good about yourself to, to, you could have, uh, over here suicidal thoughts to clinical depression, so on and so forth. And so there's a, there's a spectrum, but I think many of you listening to me this morning would agree that, that in some way, shape or form, uh, we found ourselves uh, on that spectrum and we know others that's life uh, have been uh, tragically impacted uh, by people struggling with mental health and and uh, depression and so I just want to just talk about it today and so uh, can I just give you a few statistics uh, get this uh, in, in 2020 uh, the year 2020 here in the United States 45,799 people took their own life and here's what's crazy. Um, that's up 30% from the year 2000. Do you know that globally, on average, 800,000 people take their own life? That's a, that's a one person every 40 seconds. So by the time uh, this broadcast is over with, uh, roughly 90 people will have taken their own life. And, uh, and here's what else is just so crazy to me. Like if you've ever believed this lie that, man, it would just stuff is going to make me happy and make everything right. And it's just not true because America is, we're the wealthiest nation on the planet. Like, like there's never been a nation more prosperous than our nation. And yet, uh, Americans, uh, take three times, uh, more antidepressants than the rest of the world combined. All right. And so, so we're not doing well. And so I, I just, I want to speak, I, can I just give you the gist of what I want you to receive from me this morning? And that is this. I feel like the Lord uh, wanted me to do this. Hey, if you're in a great space right now, and man, man, life is good and you're encouraged, I believe God would have you to do this. He encourages us in Psalm 23. He says to, to lie down uh, on green pastures and beside still waters. In other words, if your life is going well, man, slow down, enjoy it, thank God for this place uh, in your life. But conversely, if you're just going through it right now, and and um, you're you're in what what the psalmist would say, the valley of the shadow of death. Here's how I want to encourage you this morning: that Jesus, He takes us through the valley. In other words, we just keep moving, keep moving, keep working ahead. And that's my my appeal to you this morning. Man, if you're going through the valley, going through the ringer, man, just keep walking, keep moving. Grab the hand of Jesus because he's taking you through to green pastures and still waters. And so I want to encourage you in that. So, so back into our BC series today because um, we're going to look into the life of a man by the name of Elijah. And, and Elijah, um, if I could just, I think this might be helpful uh, because we've been in this BC series for some time. I could give you the timeline uh, that, that we've been on. And so we, we um, early on in the series, we, we went to Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3, and we saw that there's a creator God, and he creates everything good. And then he, he creates Adam and Eve, and then unfortunately Genesis 3 happens, and, and it's called the fall, and there's the sin uh, uh, enters into the cosmos and just wrecks everything. 
And then we see that, that man, sinful humanity gets worse and worse and worse until God, God says, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to shut this whole thing down and I'm going to flood the earth. But what? But, but one family, Noah and his family, they find grace from God, survive the flood. But then afterwards, man goes back to being sinful again. And so God goes to a man by the name of Abraham and he, he has a covenant. He forms a covenant with Abraham and Abraham would have a son of promise by the name of Isaac. Isaac would have twin sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob would really get after it, and he's going to have 12 sons. They would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, uh, Joseph winds up going into Egypt, and the family would follow. And then uh, what happens? God would raise up um, uh, uh, Moses uh, to go and deliver God's people out. And then Moses would pass the baton to a man by the name of Joshua that would lead God's people uh, into the promised land. And from there, we get the book of Judges, right? Men like Samson and Gideon. And and then the final judge would be uh, a man by the name of Samuel. And Samuel would anoint the first king over Israel. His name is Saul. He was a wicked king. Um, and then what happens? God says, I'm going to anoint a man after my own heart. And he anoints David, king over Israel. David would have a son. His name was Solomon. It means peace. And, and Israel would know unprecedented peace and prosperity during his rule. But then uh, would, uh, Solomon's son would uh, take over the throne and he would be a train wreck as a king. And get this, the nation would fracture in two. That there would be ten tribes uh, to the north. And they would be known as Israel or the northern kingdom. And then there would be uh, two tribes uh, in the south, and they would be known as Judah or the southern kingdom. And so there was the, the nation of God fractured uh, into, get this, uh, the ten tribes in the north, every single one of their kings were wicked and evil. In fact, we're going to look at one of the, the most uh, infamous king, uh, wicked king of the north, and that is this, King Ahab and his wife, wait for it, Jezebel, right? But God in his mercy would raise up uh, a hero, someone uh, to minister in the north. And it's not Jon Snow, okay, out there. Um, it is the prophet Elijah. And the name Elijah, it, it means this, the Lord is God. And that would be his message to the north. And so, uh, but today's text in 1 Kings 19, we're going to get a peek into though Elijah was this great prophet, powerful man of God, loved God, was used mightily by God, we're going to see that he fell, falls into this deep, deep moment of despair, darkness, and, and even uh, feeling suicidal, right? And so um, uh, here's what that tells me, that you can you can passionately love the Lord and be used by God and still have what many people call the dark night of the soul or a wilderness season in your life. And, and listen, you're not alone. If I, if I could just point to you, even in, in your scriptures, we see that, that people like Moses and David, the prophet Jeremiah, man, that, that they struggled at times with, with bouts of melancholy and whatnot. In fact, um, if I can even bring it more into modern times, get this great heroes of the faith struggled uh, mightily with depression. All right. And I'll give you some of them. Like one is Charles Spurgeon. He was known as the prince of preachers, powerful man of God, struggled mightily uh, with depression. That that Mother Teresa, 
probably the greatest humanitarian this world has ever known, struggled with depression. That, that Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, he too had bouts of deep, deep depression. And, and as well, his, his namesake, Dr. Martin Luther King, man, Dr. Martin Luther King, he too struggled with moments of depression and downness. And then I'll, I'll, I think I reference C.S. Lewis every week, all right? And C.S. Lewis too had, had the dark night of the soul. And so listen, you are not alone. Um, and so I promise you, we're going to get into First Kings <laughs> chapter 19. But before we do that, I got to get you, um, you got to know what happens in First Kings 18. And I'll just briefly walk you through it. So there's the, the wicked king uh, Ahab and his wife Jezebel. They lead the northern kingdom into idolatry, sinfulness, and wickedness, and God judges them, sends Elijah, and Elijah prophesies that it's not going to rain for three years, uh, and there's going to be an intense famine. And now what? Elijah, he's on the run from King Ahab in hiding uh, until he returns after three years. And at, when he returns, he challenges uh, Ahab's false prophets of Baal and Asherah, a, a total of 850 false prophets. He challenges them to a duel to see whose God is real. They called up to Mount Carmel and they decide, hey, whichever God responds by, by uh, fire falling from heaven and consuming the sacrifice, that is the one true God. And so the prophets of Baal get up and they start cutting themselves and chanting for hours upon hours, nothing. And then Elijah steps in and he cries out to Almighty God and God responds by fire consuming the sacrifice. And then Elijah, the, the, all the momentum turns back to, to Jehovah, uh, to the, to Yahweh, the Lord God. And what happens? He says, let's, we're going to kill, um, all these false prophets. And so then, um, after that, Elijah goes to prayer and he begins to cry out to God that it would rain once again. And God returns the rain back to Israel. And so you can see, like, first Kings 18, it's one of the highest of high moments that Elijah um, just uh, uh, moved in. And yet now we're going to see in 1 Kings 19, it's going to get very dark, very fast. Uh, 1 Kings 19 verses 1 through 3, it says this, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, Beersheba which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. And so, um, like, like, uh, that seems like a pretty big switch. Man, all this momentum, things are going, and suddenly, man, Elijah just, just becomes inconsolable and, and terrified and starts, he flees again. And here's what I want to, want to highlight. Notice this, man, that, that, um, Elijah, he begins to isolate. He isolates. He, he runs away, uh, to Beersheba. And there it says he leaves his servant. His community. He, he broke free from his community. And here's what I want you to know. Like, uh, I, I read one psychiatrist this week as I was studying and, and he actually says this, that worry and anxiety, they multiply in isolation. In other words, they grow. As you isolate, worry and, and anxiety thrives in that atmosphere. And so the Bible is a fan uh, of solitude. 
uh, moments where, where we, we unplug and, and just quiet the noise of this world and we plug into God and we listen to our own heart. But it's not a fan of isolation because isolation is dangerous to the man or woman of God. It leaves you vulnerable. Like if you've ever seen any of those National Geographics or, or, or whatever, or Planet Earth, these type of things, inevitably when you see, uh, um, some, an animal get isolated and alone, what happens? It's going to be prey. It's going to fall prey to something, uh, uh, some predator. In fact, we, the, the Bible even warns us. It says the devil, uh, as a roaring lion walks around seeking whom he may devour, right? And so, uh, it's not safe. So Jesus, in his most vulnerable time as he walked the earth in the Garden of Gethsemane, as the weight of the world uh, was upon him, what did he do? He didn't isolate. Rather, he called in his 12, and in particular, the three, Peter, James, and John. And he says, hey, come watch with me. My heart is sorrowful to the point of death. Like Jesus was going through it, and he knew, I can't isolate, but I need to bring in my most intimate three friends and so um, it's it's why we stressed, you don't just go to church. You belong to a church, a community of Bible-believing, Jesus-loving people. It's why we continually tell people, man, you need to be in a connect group. Or some other churches may call them small groups, right? And so I, I, I'm just so encouraged. Like I'm in a small group, a connect group. And I've been so encouraged because now as men, we're starting to trust each other. And we put down just kind of the, the thin conversation about, you know, sports and jokes or whatever. And now we're starting to get deep as men are beginning to trust one another. And so sometimes I think you'll agree with me, like, like just being honest and getting like anxiety and things just to say it and to, and speak it to somebody else. There's something very freeing about that. Like, like it's almost like if you, if you've ever had food poisoning or something like that, it's just your body saying, Hey, I got to get this out. And there can be this, this deep sense of relief. Just if, if you're in your safe environment and you can, you can share with a trusted friend, Hey, here's what I'm struggling with. Right. And, and here's what I know. Vulnerability, it, it builds trust. It builds trust. And so uh, I pray that you're in a, in a small group where you can begin to trust other men and women and then be able to share these things. And here's what I promise you what will happen is, is by you sharing places where you struggle, here's what will happen. You're going to give people the courage to go, oh, man, me too, me too, me too. It's, it's powerful. And here's what you'll do. You'll realize, hey, I'm not alone in this. And so, uh, uh, you know, sometimes in life, like, like we, we just get stuck and, and we need to seek out help. In fact, I'll, I'll just be vulnerable this morning. Like I know there was a season, uh, for my wife and I that, that we had to go seek counsel. We had to go get professional help and we were, we saw a counselor down in San Antonio, Texas. And, and listen, he, he didn't like things weren't instantly fixed, but he, what he did is he gave us the tools to be able to identify things well and then to untangle knot, knots in, in our soul and, and ways we were thinking wrongly. And so here's my appeal. Asking for help doesn't mean you're weak. In fact, it means you're wise. And so I want to encourage you, if don't be afraid to ask for help. Here's number two. Notice this, that, that Elijah, he's going to begin, he's just overextending himself. Let me read to you 1 Kings 19, verses 4 through 8. It says this, uh, but he himself, being Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. 
and he asked that he might die. How many have ever prayed that prayer, right? Saying, it is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. And so here's what I so appreciate about the, the Bible is the Bible, it, its approach is so holistic. I think sometimes like, like we miss it, uh, especially as Christians where, where we just, I, we just start working and like with the spirit and the soul to the neglect of the body, like God made you, uh, spirit, soul, and body. And so I love the fact that, that God, he, he, um, works with the, the physical, uh, with, uh, with our man Elijah, doesn't he? He says, Hey, take a nap uh, and eat something. And so, like, like you got to understand, Elijah's, he was just overextended, burnt out. This man had been on the run uh, for three years. Then in this, this moment, he runs up and down Mount Carmel um, uh, consecutive times. And then from there, he, he makes a 25-mile run um, all the way to Jezreel uh, and, and then uh, back to Mount Carmel, right? And so, so he's exhausted. He's been through hell. And if I, if I might be honest with some of us, you know, how many would agree with me that the last two years been a little bit of hell on earth? I bet many of you have been through a lot. In fact, um, like, like we've had a, a global pandemic, uh, isolation and fear. We've had uh, 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 racial unrest, political division, all these different things piled on at once. And then like now the, the pandemic's over and it's not like you just get out of that. Like, like I've heard one uh, psychologist say this, that, that as a, as the globe, humanity has been through intense trauma and you just don't turn the light switch on and that stuff goes away. Like the body keeps score. Okay. And so, um, have you ever been around like your children when you, they're just exhausted, they need a nap, they're too tired. And what happens? They become irrational, uh, inconsolable, right? And that's us. Like we have been through stuff and we have a very short bandwidth right now. And so uh, the scripture says, is, is going to say this, man, God neither sleeps nor slumbers. And here's what I want to tell you. You're not God. Man, we have been designed by God to spend a third of our life sleeping, refreshing, renewing our physical body in our minds. Uh, I love uh, what what one psychologist said something so I thought was so powerful. It's just like, hey, did you ever have like your your iPhone uh, just just jam up or maybe it's your computer and what do you do? (laughs) Just turn it off or just unplug it and plug it back in. And what happens? It seems to fix a lot. And I would encourage you, man, man, just getting sleep, unplugging for a minute, slowing down, getting rest. It'll do a lot for your physical body. And our physical body is tied in with our soul and our spirit. Um, did you notice what God does in, in, in the creation story? Like God creates the world, you know, in six days and, and with the pinnacle on the sixth day, he creates humanity. And what does he do? Okay, uh, Adam and Eve, get to work. Doesn't do that. What does he do? He says now uh, he creates humanity and then he says rest. And out of the overflow of that rest, now Adam and Eve are prepared to be image bearers of God. 
Um, here's a here's a, like a, a pretty simple example. They have a, a Chick-fil-A uh, about a mile down the road from our church. And uh, how many know like like those chicken nuggets and stuff? It'll make you speak in tongues when you eat those things. And but uh, Chick-fil-A is notoriously known uh, that they they shut down on Sunday. They are not open on Sundays. Uh, if I'm going to be honest with you, I have mixed feelings about that because after Sunday service, I, I would love to go get uh, like a six-piece nugget and a vanilla shake. But uh, anyways, they, but they're going to honor God and the Sabbath. And here's what I know. Do you know this that that Chick-fil-A uh, stores that they make more uh, than McDonald's, Subway, and Starbucks combined. Is that crazy? Like like those other ones are open seven days a week. Uh, and what happens? Man, Chick-fil-A, they said, we're going to honor God and they make more than those three big, big three combined, right? And so uh, get this, while we're talking uh, fast food, let me tell you this. Did you know like like your nutrition and your diet greatly impacts impacts uh, your mood uh, and your mental health. That um, so serotonin, it's the feel-good hormone in our body. Do you know that 95% of your serotonin is produced in your GI tract? Um, that simply by eating uh, properly and and healthy, that you can reduce your risk uh, of depression by 20 to 25%. Right. And so you might if you might be asking, hey, pastor, what's a what's a healthy diet? And you know what? I can tell you what a healthy diet is. Uh, any diet that's different than our American diet. Right. You, any other diet around the world uh, it will be better and healthier than our American diet uh, filled with high processed foods, man, sugar, sodium, you name it. Uh, and it's 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 killing us and it's not helping our, our mental health. And so um, I'll do it one more. It's like. Like it's not just the food you consume, but it's it's also the media that you consume. Like like get this like like the stuff that we take in uh, to ourselves now greatly affects our mental health. Let me read for you an article uh, from Forbes magazine. Um, and so Forbes magazine they did an article and they they interviewed a, a neuropsychologist, Dr. Fabian Vandenberg, um, and he said this that that this idea of of taking in bad news affects our mental health. He says this, it increases the risk of mental illness like anxiety and depression. It will shorten your life and will just make you weaker in general. The consequences can cause a domino effect shifting the balances in your brain and your entire body. Um, um, the article I was reading, it would go on to say, like, like not just don't consume bad news, but, but the scriptures would say this, we need to consume good news. Proverbs 15:30 says, "Good news, it refreshes the bones." Uh, Proverbs 25:25 25, 25 says, "Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news." And so uh, I gotta ask you, like, pay attention to what you're consuming. Like, I, I know for myself, like things, uh, I, I would I would always bounce back and forth between CNN and Fox, CNN and Fox, just to kind of balance out some of the craziness. But I realized as I watched these two news outlets. Like, like I was just becoming like you weren't designed by God to know all the tragedy and in all the the pain of the world. You know, we weren't designed like that. Only God was designed to be omniscient, and yet to constantly put that inside. I noticed I had this low grade agitation all the time, and I realized I wasn't helping myself by watching the news. And so I I, I shut that that stuff off now, and I can feel noticeably. Uh, more at rest 
at peace and at ease. And so what are you consuming uh, uh, dig- digitally or through media? All right. And then uh, let's, let's look at this as we're closing on 1 Kings. Uh, let's look at uh, chapter 19, verses 9 to 13. It says this, uh, there he came to a cave. And so, so he goes from um, uh, Beersheba to um, Mount Horeb. And it says this, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so here's what I need you to see is that Elijah, he was fixating on the negative. All that was broken and wrong. He's like, I, they've, they've, um, murdered your prophets, God. I'm the only one left. No no one likes me. I'm on the run, blah, blah, blah. And so he's focusing on all that's negative. Um, But get this, um, like Harvard, they they did an extensive research. And and here's what they found. If you'll take five minutes a day, five minutes, and write down two to three things you're thankful for and grateful for in your life, get this, the the science showed us that, that your happiness goes up uh, the equivalent of doubling your salary. Like if I was to say, hey man, I'm going to double your salary right now. Like, you know how that would make you feel? And and he says, just by taking uh, five minutes to be thankful for two or three things, you walk in that degree of happiness. And so um, are you fixating on all that's broken and wrong in your life? Or are you fighting uh, to, to, to train your eyes to see all that's good and right? And so we see that God calls Elijah uh, up to Mount Horeb. Why? He wants to, he wants to get him to get perspective. And I think many of us at times, uh, when we feel like melancholy or down and out, we need to get the perspective of God. I've heard, uh, theologians, uh, say this, that, that we need, st- uh, stained glass theology. And here's what that means. Like, if you've ever seen a stained glass window, if you get too close, it, it just looks like a bunch of shard colored glasses, glass, but, if you can pull back and get perspective, now suddenly all the shard glasses and the pieces, they start to make sense. And a lot of times we, we just need to pull back or to get high and start seeing what God sees. Like we need to trust that God is at work in the mess. We would read later on, God's like, hey, Elijah, I got this. Um, he says that, man, I'm going to raise up Elisha. He's going to be... Uh, um, who's going to be the prophet that comes after you? And he's going to do twice as many miracles of you. It's going to be amazing. He says, I'm going to raise up this guy, Jehu. He's going to take out Jezebel. Okay. And I don't mean take her out on a date. I mean, he's going to take her out. Okay. And, and so we can see God's like, Hey, I'm handling all this stuff that God is at work in the mess. The, um, uh, Martin Luther, as he was going through about, 
uh, of, of depression and he was just kind of isolated in his room. His wife had the wherewithal. She dressed up in all kinds of black funeral garb. She knocked on his bedroom door and he came in and he's like, why are you dressed like that? She says, we have to go to the funeral. And he says, who died? And she responded, well, apparently God has died, right? Because that's the way you're acting. <laughs> and so, uh, so I don't know if, if I would advise that, but, but it seemed to work, uh, for Martin Luther. And so, listen, I want to assure you, God's not dead. God is at work in your situation, even when we can't see it. Um, and here's what I love is that, that God, he, he wasn't in the fire, the wind, or the earthquake. But where was he? He was in the whisper. <laughs> Now, now listen, have you ever uh, been uh, around people like, like some people are fast talkers, right? You've ever been with them? I mean, they talk so fast. It's like they're speaking in tongues. You're like, bro, bro, slow down, slow down, right? And then, and then other people, how about this? Have you ever been around close talkers, right? You're like, hey man, space invader, give give me, I need my space, right? So there's close talkers. How many have ever been around quiet talkers? Like we have Pastor Shino Prater in our church and his, I think his name is Pastor Shino. Sorry, that was a dad joke. But, you know, he's a quiet talker. And here's what I know when people talk quiet, that you've got to lean in, that, that you need to get near. And I know this too. You only whisper to people you're intimate with. You're intimate with. God is reminding Elijah, hey, Elijah, I'm the, I'm the near God. I'm the God who is intimate and close to you. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so let me, let me end with this story. Um, uh, there's a young man, his, his name is Kevin Hines, and he struggled with, with mental illness uh, his entire life. And he was having one particularly bad bout uh, of depression, and, and he decided he was going to end his life. And so he was going to jump off the Golden, State, uh, uh, Golden Gate Bridge and um, it, it's it's amazing. I don't know why people romanticize jumping off that bridge. You know, since um, uh, its in, inception in 1937, some 2,000 people have jumped to their death from the Golden Gate Bridge, and and so that's what Kevin Hines was going to do. And 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 do you know what happens? Like when you jump off that that bridge, your your body reaches speeds of up to 76 miles per hour. When you hit the water, your bones fracture and shatter. And, and they become like shrapnel and they, they'll puncture your vital organs. Uh, you probably break your legs or, and so, and so, uh, oh, and then die slowly as you drowned. Uh, and so it, it, it's, it's incredibly painful. And yet this is what Kevin Hines was going to do. And so, um, as he leans over the Golden Gate Bridge, he jumps and, and just before he starts plummeting down to his death, he prayed. He's like, Oh God, I don't want to die. Please help me. And as he, as he went streaking down and his body struck the water, get this, he didn't die. Uh, he had, he had badly broken both his legs and I believe fractured his back. And, but now because his legs were broken and his back was fractured, he couldn't swim. And so he's like, Oh, I'm going to drown. But then, uh, something, uh, began to strike, uh, his bottom, his rear end and keeping him up afloat in the water. And he thought, Oh, great. I'm not going to drown. I'm going to get eaten by a shark, but it wasn't a shark. Get this. It was a sea lion, and the sea lion kept Kevin Hines afloat until the, the Coast Guard could come and rescue Kevin Hines. And now, uh, having survived that moment, do you know that now Kevin Hines, he goes around uh, all, all around the world, and he speaks to people 
about mental illness. And, and I really want to read for you a quote. Kevin Hines says this. He says, uh, when the bad feelings returns, Hines says, I always tell someone who loves me and who cares about me and who empathizes with me, right? He invites other people in. And he says, I have one request of people who are currently facing the struggle, who can't see the light at the end of the t- tunnel. Heinz continues, remember the light is there. The hope is there. You have to find a way to make it and find a way to move forward until you reach the hope. So let's pray this morning. Lord, uh, I just I thank you for everyone hearing my voice today, God. And Lord, I, I'm just praying for those that, that maybe are in a season uh, of melancholy, Lord, uh, of a low-grade depression, Lord, or, or even that, that may be clinically depressed, God. Lord, I, I pray, number one, that you would work. Lord, that, that you would be that hope and that light. Lord, that you would penetrate and pierce the darkness in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray as well, God, that you would give us the courage. You would surround these men and women with those that care for them. Uh, Lord, and that you would, inv- that they would invite others in, uh, to their life and to their situation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've called us to walk together as one. And so, Lord, I just speak a blessing to over all of those that hear my voice this morning. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen, uh, every nation, Jesus loves you. I think you're pretty great too. Um, listen, before we close, I, I want to remind us, um, that you can be faithful in your, in your tithing and your giving, uh, here with us at Every Nation, New Jersey. And there's, there's three ways you can give, uh, to our church. Um, you can go to our website, encnj.org and just hit the giving icon. Or you can give via text. If you just text the letters, encnj to the number 77977. It's a very convenient way to give. Or lastly, you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you give. God bless you, Every Nation, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation, New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org. Thank you.